Turkaholics come by as it here for football a la Turka. Um, a quick bonus episode here to tie you over for the week uh, until we get back into the Turkish Super League. I don't have any co-host with me tonight. We're just going to be briefly talking about uh, the European qualification campaign because of course as you probably know by now Turkey have qualified for Euro 2020. Um, the second consecutive European Championship that Turkey qualifies for now. Of course, they were last in action in 2016 um, and uh, didn't get out of the group stages there. But uh, this Turkey team does look interesting. Obviously, we still have to wait and see what the qualification campaign, uh, sorry, what the, what the group will, will look like that Turkey will be in. Uh, but let's quickly look at, at uh, the qualification campaign itself. Turkey end in second place in their group behind France um, because Turkey were unable to beat Iceland uh, on the 1-2 last match. That match ended 0-0, obviously. That was the big match that mattered. And after that match, Turkey had secured qualification. So the final match in the group stages against Andorra in Andorra didn't matter anymore Turkey played B team um, many of the old guards were rested were already allowed to go home um, thinking Emre Bedozolo, Burak Yilmaz uh, those guys were allowed to return to their clubs early uh, Burak had uh, played the full 90 minutes if I'm not mistaken against um, Iceland and you'll have to forgive me a little bit if I'm a little uh, hazy on, on the facts there I was uh, unfortunately ill uh, over the week and uh, the the Turkey Iceland match I I didn't really watch it it was on on my cell phone while I was laying feverish in bed uh, so I was listening to it while ailing um, and uh, at times where I thought uh, it sounded like something exciting was going on I grabbed my phone and I watched a little bit but uh, it was uh, I didn't manage to fully experience it and, and you think that it'll that take away a little bit of the nerves but as the the ending of the match came closer uh, I, I found myself heating up, um, so like getting like sweats and stuff just from, from the nerves really of, of, you know, just one ball has to uh, fall in the wrong place or, or for Iceland in the right place. And that, that almost happened, of course, but that ball got cleared off the line. I, I, I don't remember if it was Chala or Meri who, who managed to clear that off the line, but uh, I did have the impression from what my ears told me that uh, Turkey did have a, a decent amount of chances that were denied in that match but at the end of the day of course it didn't really matter I don't think that uh, ending first or second makes a difference for Turkey uh, Turkey will be in, in, in pot 3 when it comes to the draws for the group stages of uh, the tournament ultimately I don't think that would have changed because that's based on uh, coefficient ranking um, and I, I really don't think that beating Iceland would have made a difference in that regard but uh, if it would and i'm wrong here then please do uh correct me and let me know i'm just trying to look at the, the pots here so let's quickly have a, a look at our potential opponents so turkey will be in pot three but in pot one we have italy belgium england germany and ukraine and spain so turkey will meet one of those teams at the euros for sure so once again italy belgium england germany ukraine and spain i think the teams uh, that we'd probably like to avoid here would be 
Belgium, England, and, and maybe Spain. I think uh, the situations with Italy, Germany, um, you know, Germany are, are in a transitional period where they're in between generations a little bit. Uh, they really have been ever since uh, winning the World Cup. So always a tough opponent. But, you know, I think uh, right now, Belgium and England are the most informed teams from this pot one. So those are the teams you probably want to avoid most. Then from pot two, our potential opponents could be the Netherlands, France, who of course we already met in the group stages, Croatia, Switzerland, Poland, and Russia. So some interesting matchups there. Um, Croatia, a team we've met in in past couple of years. Uh, Czech, Czech Republic. Are not in here sorry uh, Switzerland, Switzerland of course uh, an old enemy of ours really uh, Poland Russia not the most attractive uh, opponents in that regard I think Holland uh, or the Netherlands is a, an interesting opponent um, good good young team of course uh, that have a couple of um, well yeah still puzzle pieces that need to fall in place but they they have a very exciting generation and obviously we are in pot three alongside portugal denmark austria um sweden and the czech republic i'm reading this from a turkish graphic so i have to translate it in my head uh so yeah we can't meet those teams that's that's good uh, some some good uh, sides in there that we will definitely avoid and then from what we already know uh pot four consists out of finland and wales and the other remaining four teams will still have to play playoffs so we'll have to wait and see who come out there and, and once we get closer to the draw once the draw takes place we will definitely talk about that more um, but yeah it's a very successful qualification campaign on paper I think the most comfortable uh, campaign Turkey have had uh, probably in history I, I don't remember ever qualifying with, with less uh, of, of an effort uh, or, or how should I put it um, less discomfort or whatever I think we've always gone through playoffs um, in the past as far as I can recall um, but at the end of the day had that ball fallen in towards the end of the match against Iceland uh, it could have been different we could have been shaky in that last match but uh, we still I think would have gone through as our B team did very well and, and beat Andorra 2-0 both those goals coming from NS Unal, Unal by the way uh, one from the penalty spot and another one was a, a little bit of a, a rebound I believe um, but uh, Turkey, therefore, ending with uh, two points less than France, who end in first position with 25 points, and Turkey end in second with 23 points. And then we have uh, Iceland, who end in third with 19 points, and then uh, quite a bit behind that Albania. Uh, they ended with 13 points. So, yeah, interesting... Uh, Good campaign, a uh, great uh, return to the national team for Shenol Gunesh. He has restored faith in the national team. That's something I think that was lacking for many years. Um, just that, that excitement around the national team. Even when we, when we qualified for Euro 2016 and when we played at Euro 2016, I think there was a lot of negativity surrounding the national team, surrounding that generation, and in particular Arda Turan, who was kind of... Um, the face of that team but in, in a very negative way where I think uh, Arda's move to Barcelona had really gone to his head um, he thought probably that he was 
the biggest thing since uh, uh, since the wheel, the, the the best invention since the wheel, or or you know, I mean, yeah, Arda was really full of himself, um, disappointed, didn't was a leader in his own mind, but never really led that team. Um, and there was just so much negativity around uh, Arda. There was a lot of uh, negativity around uh, Fatih Terim, I think, just around the team in general. Uh, the, 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 the fans also turned against that team. That was also not so long after, of course, the whole uh, issue with, with fans in Istanbul booing uh, players from opposition teams. I think Galatasaray fans, when, when Turkey played at uh, the Turk Telecom Arena one time, uh, before the match, uh, Volkan Demirel got... Uh, yeah, got into it with some fans and, and left the stadium, uh, if you recall that. So that was the kind of stuff that n- right now we really can't fathom anymore uh, with this national team where there just seems to be so much positivity um, around this team. And I think one of the main reasons for that is, uh, one, uh, there, there isn't really that divide anymore that we used to have in the past of, of, of Galatasaray players, Besiktas players, Fenerbahce players. Um, I think it's definitely an advantage that the, the, the important players, the key guys, they don't play in Turkey anymore. Uh, if we look at what really has been the success to this team in terms of on the pitch, I think one of the big big successes of this team has been uh, Meri Demiral, uh, Çalak Soyuncu, Khan Ayhan. Uh, and, and we now speak about this tandem that got formed between Meri and Çalak, but we have to remember before Chala was playing uh, regularly for Leicester this season. Um, so when the campaign started last year, at the second half of uh, last season, I believe, uh, Chala really wasn't being featured. So uh, that wasn't really there from the get-go. But right now, I think we really uh, see an incredible tandem between Chala Soyuncu and uh, Meri Demiral, who's been, the, in my opinion at least... Um, yeah, the, the the undisputed leader of this team, the stone wall at the back. Uh, Mary has been the one constant for this team, alongside Mert Gunok, who uh, does definitely deserves uh, some praise. He's been a very serviceable, reliable goalkeeper. That's what he's kind of doing at Bashakshir too. I, I wouldn't say he's the most impressive goalkeeper I've ever seen, but he's good. He's very good. He's reliable. He doesn't do stupid, silly mistakes. Uh, like we're kind of used to from Turkish goalkeepers. And I think when we look at, for example, an, an Urjan from, from Trabzonspor, I think you have a more talented goalkeeper there, a younger, more talented goalkeeper, but a goalkeeper that's prone to doing uh, some s- typical Turkish stupid stuff, like fumbling a high ball and, and, and yeah, making mistakes that cost you a goal. And I think at this level... Um, at the national team level, where Turkey don't really have any surplus in terms of quality uh, with most of their opponents, you can't afford to make mistakes like that. So I think it's the right decision that Şenol Güneş makes there uh, by uh, banking on, on the experience and uh, reliability of Mert Gunuk right now. I, I definitely think that Urjan in the future will be one of the candidates alongside Altay Bayendir, but Altay has that same... Uh, quality in terms of raw talent but has also that uh, proneness to doing some uh, some questionable uh, things so yeah right now Mert I think is the right the only right decision I don't think uh, anyone with a straight face can can deny that he deserves a spot at the moment but Altai and Urjan of course guys to watch for the future it's gonna be interesting to see which of those two uh, will end up being the the bigger 
a more successful uh, goalkeeper. Uh, but yeah, the big success of this team, of course, that that defensive tandem, uh, Mary Chalar in the second half of the qualification campaign. Before that, Mary Khan Ayhan. And with Khan Ayhan, we really have a fantastic utility player, I think, that uh, can play both as a central defender, uh, a right back. Uh, I, I bet he could play as a, as a left back in a pinch. Uh, he can play in midfield in a pinch. Uh, it's a fantastic squad depth player and also a very good quality player. Only in his mid-20s, 25 years old. And if we look at, uh, at Mary uh, he's only 22, of course, and then Chalak Soyunju, I believe, he's only 22 too. So if we look at the future of this national team, oh, sorry, Chalak is 23, but we are really at the cusp here of a new generation of players, um, and we're going to be able to enjoy this team for many years to come. Hopefully, Mary gets more playing time at Juventus uh, or moves uh, to another club because I think right now. Mary is is an absolute beast and uh, should be playing week in week out. He's he's only 22, but he is playing like a 27, 28 year old experienced defender that's that's been through many battles. That's won stuff, important stuff. That's played in big games. It's it's really phenomenal how he is performing right now. I hope he's able to keep that up. He's been consistently performing at a very high level for. Um, yeah, two two seasons or so. Well, one really one and a half years. Uh, you know, last season, first half at Alanya Sport, and second half at Sassuolo, and uh, now this half season. So we'll have to wait and see if Mary can keep that up. But what he is showing right now is absolutely phenomenal, and it really remembers me a lot of Alpai. Um, and right now, I don't think we can say he's better than Alpai yet. Because Alpay, of course, had a fantastic career, first in Turkey, then uh, some really good years in the Premier League before that whole thing with David Beckham went down and his career kind of went downhill from there. But uh, yeah, I think Mary is definitely that, that successor to Alpay and the first real successor to Alpay. And then maybe you could call Chala the successor to Bülent Korkmaz um, or to our best central defense uh, in history, uh, I would argue, Alpay, Bülent. Uh, Emre Aşık was pretty good too but um, yeah that was a fantastic tandem but I think this is better Meri, Chalak, more footballing ability but in between them they're both physically very good um, yeah things are looking bright so then we have to look towards those back positions uh, I think uh, Hasan Ali Kaldırım for now is, is the logical choice you'd think but Umut Meraj has had a really good qualification campaign and of course uh, because of Hassan Ali's uh, injury was uh, played more than you'd expect. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Umut uh, because I think offensively he doesn't really contribute a lot. Um, but then again, I mean, Hassan Ali's strength has never been the offensive contribution. And both of them uh, defensively are, are stable. Uh, I think Umut played a good game against uh, France. Uh, of course, the first match against France, Hassan Ali was impressive uh, against uh, Mbappé. Um, I don't really recall Umut playing uh, a bad game this qualification campaign. I think always defensively he's been okay, uh, reliable. I, I don't remember him impressing me in particular, but I also don't remember him um, standing out as a, as, a, as a weak link or anything like that, at least not defensively. I think offensively he has a lot to, to improve on, but... Uh, I think Umut's pretty young too. He's like 24, 25. So we have Khan Ayan at 25. We have 
Umut, who's right now, it looks like it's going to be the... Oh, he's 23, actually. He's going to be our left back for the foreseeable future until somebody better comes along. I, I don't think Umut is necessarily one of those guys like a Chala, like a Mary, who's going to be our left uh, our player in that position for the next eight years or so. I don't, I don't think that's the case. But it all depends on who else comes along. Um... And how Hassan Ali uh, does, of course, because Hassan Ali is, is already 29, he's going on 30 years old, so he's not going to be around for, for many more years. We, of course, have uh, Mert Muldur, uh, but he's a right back, so uh, he's an up-and-coming young kid that uh, we'll have to keep an eye on. Uh, and then, of course, you have Zeki Celik, uh, the undisputed right back right now, doing fantastic uh, at Lille um, alongside Yusuf Yazidje. And uh, let's move over and take a look at our midfield. I think that's where we have some some room for improvement. Uh, Irfan Jan is somebody that's really uh, impressed a lot of people during this qualification campaign. Um, he's he's only in in his mid twenties, mid to early twenties. Um, Okai Yokushlu uh, missed some games, of course, due to injury, but he's been doing great in Spain. So he's definitely a guy that um, will be able to look for. Uh, and bank on for the the coming years he's only 25 Ozan Tufan with his resurgence his his re-arrival on the scene he's been really solid for Fenerbahce this season he's been solid for the national team only 24 years old um yeah Efe Jankaraja is not somebody I think that will play a big role uh Emre Bedozolo's role is going to inevitably wind down as he's already 39 years old Hakan Chalanolo everyone knows I'm not a big fan of his he plays every match. I really think that Yusuf Yazici is, is a superior talent. Uh, superior, not just a superior talent, also just a superior player, period. Uh, I think when Yusuf comes on the pitch, you immediately see and feel the difference in a positive way. Hakan is a very uh, flaky. Like He has his matches. I, I thought when he came on against France in the second half, he did really well. Um, and then he had like a really good game against Albania early on in the campaign. But apart from that, I really thought that he's like, I, I don't really remember him making a good impression on me in any other other match, if I'm quite honest. Uh, and I may be a little hypercritical of him, but I'm just not a fan. And then, of course, we have uh, guys like Emre Kilinch who barely played. Uh, I don't think that uh, Emre Kilinch will be playing uh, that much of a role. Uh, but it all depends. I mean, he's at the end of his contract at Sivaspor. He's having a great season again with Sivaspor. Uh, he's in his last six months. Galatasaray, Besiktas, Fenerbahce are undoubtedly going to come knocking, uh, especially as as the there's definitely going to be something in terms of a change to the foreigner limit. I don't. I, I hope we're not going back to the old format, but I could see us going to something like uh, an eight. Uh, on the pitch uh, max or, or something like that and, and, and I think then a guy like Emre Kilinc becomes a lot more valuable and I think if that if Emre starts playing for let's say uh, Galatasaray and he starts actually performing or he, he well not starts but continues to perform and continues to replicate that format at Sivaspor and does well um, I mean even at Sivaspor I think right now he, he does really well but I don't think he's he's not an Edin Vizca He's not what Edin Vizca is at Başakşehir. He's not what Atif Sheshu was at Sivaspor back in the day when he was there. 
uh, and, and really doing fantastic. But he's a really solid hand there. And I think if he can be a solid hand at a big club, I think then his role at the national team could, could change. Because, let's face it, that's the position where we struggle most. That's those winger positions. We have, of course, probably the best winger of uh, that Turkey have maybe ever had uh, in Cengiz Under. Uh, and then maybe I'm, I'm selling guys like Hasan Saj a little short there, but I think uh, Genghis Under, when it comes to what he's already achieved in his career at Roma, with the status that he's already achieved there, I think he's definitely could definitely make that argument. Um, and, and he's fantastic. But we have absolutely no options on that other wing. We have nothing on the left wing. Um, what, or whether you want to play Genghis on the left or the right, the opposite... Uh, wing is always going to be an issue. We don't have anything there right now, except for Emre Kilinch, uh, and and Dennis. We have Dennis Turic, of course, but I mean, those are not like they're not up to that same level. Nowhere, nowhere close. Um, and and both of those guys. I mean, Dennis. Dennis. I like Dennis. I've always liked Dennis when he was at Kaiserslautern. I think he's a fine player. He's not getting a lot of minutes for Fenerbahce right now, so I think that also works against him. But. I just think that Dennis doesn't have that speed that you want from from a winger in, in the type of football that Cheno Gunish wants to play probably uh, with the national team because I think we are going to be a more reactionary team because we don't really we have a fantastic defense but we don't have the best offense uh, and I think we're going to try and, and 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 try and hit teams on the counter when possible with the speed that the Jengis has for example. Uh, because playmaking-wise, chance creation-wise, I felt like during the qualification campaign that was our biggest issue. So uh, those wingers are really something we're going to have to work on uh, or hope that um, <laughs> something comes out of the bus. Maybe Abdul Kadir Omur uh, can be slotted there. I, I really like Abdul Kadir as a 10 when he plays for Trabzonspor. Uh, I really thought that at the beginning of the season, now that Yusuf is gone and that spot kind of opened up and he was playing more of a, a 10 role i really liked how he was playing there but of course you know he plays a lot on, on the wing too and then he's very good there so hopefully when he comes back from his injury he becomes an option hopefully emre Kilinch goes on and then moves to a bigger club and uh, can continue improving himself he's only 25 years old he's he's not young he's not super young but um he still has plenty of years in him where he can become a valuable asset for the national team, I believe. Mohamed uh, Tegdimir, yeah, that's one of those guys that right now is a very serviceable player for the national team. Uh, on the long run, we're going to have to look at other options there, but I think Okai Jokushlu is, is definitely an option, although some argue that he, his best position isn't necessarily the six. And uh, yeah, I would. He is a great eight. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Yusuf Yazidji at twenty-two for me needs to be the leader um, in, in midfield going forward in the coming years. I really hope that Shenel Gunesh makes his role more important uh, at the Euros. Maybe I mean, I could see Shenel Gunesh having letting Hakan Chalano will have his last go at, at at that role. But to me, Hakan's never going to fulfill that role. Uh, I, I just don't see him as that next uh, leader in midfield uh, that takes the offensive responsibility and leads the team going forward. Uh, I think that whoever is going to take that role needs to work well in tandem with Cengiz. I think Yusuf is the man uh, to do so. Maybe Abdul Kadur Umur, 
I really don't see from those three options, Yusuf, Abdul Qadir, and Hakan. For me, Hakan is, is uh, the black sheep, and I really don't see him uh, getting that uh, role. But I, I, I kind of fear that Chen is going to hold on to him for probably a little bit too long, like he did with Quaresma at Besiktas. But I just I really hope I'm wrong there. And then our, alongside that, that, that second winger position, our biggest issue, of course, is up front with the strikers, with Burak Yilmaz being 34 years old, injury-prone. Um, disqualification campaign he, he he had some really great performances he was uh, again i'm told great against iceland because again I, I really didn't manage to watch much but uh, umut was uh, gushing about his performance against iceland and uh, kind of the way he was talking about it reminded me of, of how he played against france in the first game where he against france he just basically both faran and umtiti just had them both kept them busy for 90 plus minutes uh two guys who were like 10 years his uh, his junior uh just kept them both busy and drove them crazy and gave them such a tough time um and of course yeah it's a position against license less impressive but still uh but yeah burak 34 years old going on 35 we need a solution there soon um jenk tosun not getting a lot of playing time at Everton, so he needs to move away from Everton, and then then he could be that option. I mean, Jenk is still only like 28, I think. Um, so I'm just thinking he's from 1991, so I think he's 28. Uh, so yeah, Jenk. But then we have a couple of young upcomings like Kutuchu and stuff. Uh, we have, of course, Enes Unal, but Enes. Yeah, he's only 22 years old. He should be part of this golden generation, really, or, or silver generation, or however you'd like to call it. But he he barely got a sh- chance from Shion Gunesh uh, in the qualification campaign. Of course, he did manage to play against... He did get to, to start against Andorra, score twice. So I hope that makes uh, Shion give him more of a look, more of a chance. But uh, so far, I, I haven't had the impression that Shion has a lot of uh, fate in, in, in NS. So, yeah... Uh, we have an exciting young team, uh, lots of guys in their mid to early 20s, uh, you know, 22 to 25. There's a lot of guys around that age. Uh, it's it's a really exciting generation. I think there's a skeleton of a team that we're going to be able to enjoy for many years to come. But, of course, you know, we, we really desperately need that uh, that. that alternative that the second winger we need uh, a striker a marquee striker and unfortunately for a national team you can't just go out and buy one uh, but we need someone like a, a Veda Muric for example a guy like that who uh, can really alleviate pressure for the team work hard score goals that's the type of striker I, I feel like we need we need a modern Hakan Shukur uh, and right now I don't really see one and I think it's been Turkey's main issue for for many years uh, just producing strikers uh, Turkey does not seem to have a knack for that for producing good strikers uh, even when we have strikers that are like uh, you know who score a decent amount of goals for bigger teams in uh, the domestic competition like a like a uh, Nejati Atesh, like uh, Umut Kara, uh, Umi, <laughs> Umit Karan, uh, Fatih Teke, Ilhan Mansus, um, those semi-shentu, those types of strikers. I also think that one of the big issues that we always have with those guys is they're always kind of small. You know, they're always like 177, 182, 184 maybe. 
Um, you know, that's the thing with Jank too. I think Jank, if he had like five or so more centimeters in height, I think he'd be a lot more successful. Uh, because that really doesn't matter. He's like 182, 83. It's just a little bit too small in the modern game when you come up against beasts like Umtiti and Varan. You need a little bit of extra physicality, a little bit of extra height, uh, maybe some, yeah, some more muscle on your frame. And I, I just think that many of those players that I just mentioned just kind of lack that. Um, so ever since uh, since Hakan Shukur, we only really have had Batuan Karadinis. Who was who kind of fit that mold of, of a target striker that really had a good physique, uh, or at least <laughs> should have. But I think good physique and and Batuhan doesn't go really go hand in hand. But unfortunately, Batuhan wasn't a, a success uh, because of you know insert random mental reasons. Um, but that's the type of player we need. Uh, and I, at the moment, I don't see any of those uh, coming up through the ranks. So I think it's probably going to be a little bit of a, uh, an unfortunate situation where we are heading into these, I think, next, uh, well, eight years, I would say, with this generation. It's, this is a, an eight-year generation, potentially, or at least uh, six. That's uh, three, four tournaments, potential tournaments that we could be qualifying for. Uh, with, with a Meri Demiral, with a Chalaf Soyuncu, with Altai or Urjan, uh, with, with Zeki Celik, with um, Irfan Jan and, 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 and those guys, Genghis of course, Yusuf Yazidjan, Blukadur Umur, such, such a talented squad really if you think about it. And uh, I was asked the question the other day, do you think this team is, is, is better or as good? Uh, how do you think this team compares to no, actually, the question I was asked is whether this is the golden our golden generation, and I think it's really early to to say whether it is. I think this definitely is a silver generation. I think this is our most talented generation since our previous golden generation of the two thousand era. Uh, of course, you know, in large part that team was based on uh, on, on that golden Galatasaray generation of uh, the, the the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that this is the most talented generation since. But I think we lack a couple of key components that we had back then. I think back then we had a pretty complete team. We had a really good goalkeeper, good defense, a really good midfield, and and a, and a phenomenal uh, striker. Uh, up until I, I kind of felt like Hakan was kind of over the hill at in two thousand and two at the World Cup already, and I think it's something that people. They rem have they mem remember it differently. I feel like like they because of Hakan's really quick goal against South Korea and him writing history in that regard. I think people kind of look back at his tournament with rose-colored glasses. But uh, he was really poor at that tournament, if I'm quite honest. And uh, there were better op options at the time. Um, and even the years after, I think Fatih Teke was a better option, but never really got a. a a fair chance uh, despite in the very few uh, games he played he scored um, but yeah uh, I think that in, in that regard I think that team in 2002 uh, you know between 898 and 2002 I think that team had more uh, less gaps maybe um, was more complete but I do think that the ceiling on many of the guys from now like a Genghis like a Meri like a Chalar I think the ceiling on those guys is a lot higher 
than it was on uh, Hassan Saish, than it was on Alpi, than it was on Bulent. And I think I, I know that's a that's not just a yeah that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a tall statement, but I, I definitely believe that if we what we see from Neri right now is just so impressive. Um, and yeah, I think we're gonna enjoy him for many years to come. So. That's my reflection on uh, the, the European qualification campaign. And hopefully um, in, in two years' time, when it's uh, World Cup time, we'll be at that party too. Uh, and and I, I hope in those two years that Yusuf Yazidje is made more important. Uh, but I think that was, is going to be um, inevitable if he continues to rise and uh, continues his, his uh, trajectory at, at Lille right now. I don't think he'll still be at Lille in two years if he continues to grow as he's currently doing. So he'll hopefully be at an even bigger club then. And uh, uh, I hope uh, surpass Hakan Chalanol in the pecking order. So quickly, um, of course, we'll be back next week. Probably on Tuesday, as we will record on uh, Monday, I imagine, for the next episode. Uh, for, uh, episode 12 for match day 12 in the Turkish Super League some very interesting matches coming up of course uh, in the Super League um, and uh, I think the biggest one that, that I'm definitely intrigued by is uh, the Başakşehir here Galatasaray match I do believe that it is on the, tw- uh, on the 12th match day uh, that match is being played on Friday the 22nd of November so that's a very interesting match. Galtray have some injury worries to deal with. Uh, Louis Ndama came back injured from uh, the the national team. Uh, Ryan Babel came back injured from the national team. Of course, Florin Andone uh, got injured in that last match in the league for Galtray. And uh, I also believe, yeah, Falcao is still going to be out for at least another six weeks. Uh, so Galatasaray really have an issue there in terms of a striker. Their two strikers are both injured. Um, then their alternative striker, Ryan Babel, is injured. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they're going to operate. Um, well, most likely Adam Buick is, I think, their only real option left. Uh, and they're going to come up against a, an informed Bashakshi here who have been performing well in recent weeks. Uh, Crivelli has been firing all cylinders, scoring goals left and right. Edin Vizca is hitting his stride once again. So Galtzerai have a tough match up against uh, Bashakshi here on Friday. So that's going to be a very interesting one to watch. Of course, on the on Saturday, Besiktas and Trabzonspor are both away. Uh, Trabzonspor at Ankara Gijus, so that shouldn't be that big of uh, a challenge, I think, for Ankara for for Trabzonspor. But Besiktas are away at Konyaspor. Uh, Konyaspor have very, been very hit and miss this season, but I still don't really know how to gauge Besiktas. So and and Konya away is always difficult for them, uh, for anyone, I, I I would imagine, but. Uh, that's going to be an interesting match too. The other match remaining on Saturday is Denizli Spor against Rize Spor. That's a definitely an interesting one in the relegation battle. Uh, then on Sunday we have Kayseri Spor taking on Sivas Spor, the league leaders. So you'd think that Sivas Spor will just remain on top of the table after that one, but you never know. Kasim Pasha will take on Gensterberli. Uh, that's another relatively interesting match in terms of the relegation battle, I'd say. Although Kasim Pasha right now are safe, but uh, you know things can change very quickly in in this league w- with the, the current point 
totals of all the teams. Then uh, we also have Alanya Sport taking on Gustepe and Yeni Malatya Sport taking on Fenerbahce. So that's a very interesting match as well. And then finally on Monday we have Antalya Sport with uh, Gaziantep. So yeah, I think Trabzonspor have the easiest match from those top contenders alongside uh, Sivasspor. Um, but Galatasaray have a really hard uh, nut to crack uh, with Basakshi here. Uh, Malatya Spor away for Fenerbahce is definitely a difficult task too. And uh, Konya away for Besiktas is, is definitely a, a difficult task too. So uh, on Monday we'll be recording, I, I hope, our man of the law is back uh, by that time. Uh, I know he's in San Francisco right now, I believe. Uh, Umut Jakub, of course. And then hopefully Uzar will be back. And he was on TRT again this week. So, um, yeah, probably a little late because uh, that was on Monday again. But, uh, yeah, just shout out to Uzar for doing a great job there. So uh, we'll see you again next week and thanks for listening to this monologue and if you lasted this long um yeah thanks a lot and goodbye